Charlie May welcomes you to join in on modern-day narratives of carnality left behind by the infamous Hester Prine. Now acclaimed and eulogized, toss your scarlet letter aside and get drawn into the authentic and trivial parables centered around sex, secrets, and scandals. Welcome to Scarlet. Oh, yeah! Welcome to Scarlet. I'm your host, Charlie May. And today I have Mr. International. He is very rich, but very married. Net worth, 200 million. And no, I didn't fuck him. I know you're wondering. Hey, Mr. International. Good morning. How you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I talk a lot about the Dusties, and you're the psychologist. I want to know your views on the Dusties. We all know what a player is, right? Yes. Players like a dude who, and I knew this guy back in college, we called him Lips. And this guy, but all it was was a game to this guy. He had no intention of ever forming a relationship. That's what a player is, right? That's a modern day. We didn't call it a player back then, but now the guy's known as a player, right? Where's Lips today? I have no idea. Oh, I wonder if he <laughs> ever got married. A, it's got to be a scary sight. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I now want to find Lips. We got to find him sometime, see what he's up I to. to. I might have to, to research that for you. So a Dusty is just a dumber form of a player. A Dusty is a guy who doesn't even have enough intelligence to be a player, special. In their mind, they think that every woman should fall for them without any effort on their part and without them ever having to spend any, any of the money that they don't have. And so a guy like this just casually hit on a woman <clears throat> without even having any understanding or any feel for whether she is signaling them, signaling to this person that she's interested. That doesn't matter. They don't see those signals. And, they, and they're not very successful people, so they don't have any money. And so they'll never ask her out on a date. Or they, Well, I think it has to do probably with what their experience of men has been to that point in their life. I mean, if they were well-treated by their father, if they had brothers that you know, respected them and, and treated them well, if their early experiences with their boyfriends were you know, positive or negative. I think it all adds up to they identify women want a bad boy. <clears throat> they want the they want the masculine edge. And often they mistake they mistake it for a loser because losers give off, you know, a lot of bad boy vibes. The dusties give off the bad boy vibes. It's their casual indifference. It's their it's their misplaced confidence. And so, you know, a conventionally feminine woman <clears throat> will view that and say, oh, this guy's got some you know, heavy masculine vibes. Of the Dusties. They want to be with the Dusties. They don't want an older, successful man. I can't even talk sense into them. It doesn't register. They don't get it. They think that they're going to be with a Dusty. Strong caretaking aspect to them. And women mistakenly, not always, but often mistakenly think that they can fix a person. And that some sort of financial add-on component to what she has in her life. But when they mistake this vacuous psychology, for example, the extreme case is when you have a woman who is highly empathic, high level of agreeableness, high level of caretaking, and, and sort of a you know built-in function of wanting to please people. And they end up getting hooked up with narcissists. And when they get hooked up with a narcissist, the narcissist sucks all the life out of them. Boundaries, they're testing, they're controlling, 
and they're getting out of the relationship what they need to get out of the relationship, which is basically to suck the soul out of the person that they're with until they're all used up and they move on to the next person. That's an extreme case, but you know, a lesser case is what these dusties do. They, they, they're emotionally vacuous. They, they have no goals or objectives in life other than to get through the next day. And they're always after, like, they're always after, you know, weed, uh, you know, the, the next fun night with their dudes, some pussy, you know, and enough money to, to kind of sustain all that. They don't have long-term goals or objectives. They're not really in control of themselves. So think of them as like a dog. Dog wants to get fed. It wants a warm place to sleep. It wants a little bit of attention. And then it wakes up the next day and pretty much wants the same thing. That's about how emotionally complex they are. And women fall for these guys all the time. And they don't see it. And I don't know why they don't see it. You know, you don't have to be necessarily with an older guy to see that someone has a life plan, that they have something about them. Uh, they have a mission. They've thought it through. They know where they want to go next. And they're, they're actually activating these things and they're manifesting positive things in their life. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next, actually. At 20, you weren't rich. At 20, how would someone at the age of 20 to, say, 25 know that there's a person that they're going for would, will be successful? How would you know I mean, that at a, 24? That's a great question. No, I wasn't, I wasn't rich really at all until I was probably 30. But the signs were there. You know, I graduated not at the top of my high school class, but like top five. You know, got into Ivy League type schools and uh, I was voted most likely to succeed. And I had my own businesses in high school. The signs are there if you look for them as to whether or not your person is focused on success and is focused on manifesting positive things in their life. They don't have to be rich to be a good companion, but they need to be good at what they're doing. They need to be bringing something positive to the table. And I think that you can see the signs if you look for them. And I think, and I feel like too many women ignore the obvious red psychological flags. They ignore the red flags around the person's financial social situation. I mean, they're there. You but just have to you, look for them. Do you think some women just aren't interested in a certain type of man and don't want that in their life? Because I did. I, there was no way I was going to date anyone broke. I'm not a woman, so that's a like uh, it's hard for me to crawl inside the mind of females sometimes. Um, but you know, to speculate on it, I think that a lot of it comes from the the family of origin issues. Is what like whether or not you, was your father successful? Was your you know did you, did your father treat you well? Did he have something about him, or was he sort of a go along get along guy? Did he have a mission? Did he you know did he lead people? And I, and I think male behavior is modeled for women by their fathers. And, you know, and this is maybe an old trope, but you know, they say you marry your father. I think that's too simplistic. But it's certainly possible that a lot of women look for a mate who feels like the first male that ever loved them, mm -hmm. which is always going to be their father. And if the father is completely absent in the woman's life, I think, you know, like either a father who left the family when the child was young or, you know, by function of divorce, or maybe he was just an absentee, you know, a person who lived at home, but was absentee. Young women especially can become very unmoored. They're not tied to the dock and they begin a process of searching. You know, I, it can be very frustrating for them to find someone with no reference points. So I think that's a big part of the problem is the whole family of origin issues around the male-female relationship. And what comes out of that is women who either want to hyper-control their situation, they can end up turning off 
a highly masculine male or they be, they are looking for that masculinity in the wrong places if they are not psychologically sophisticated enough either in understanding their own mindset and their own family of origin issues or they're not sophisticated enough to see the red flags around bad male behavior you know they can end up in all kinds of situations they can end up with someone who's hyper controlling they can end up with someone who's emotionally unavailable, they can end up with a narcissist, they can end up with someone who's physically abusive, or they can end up just settling for dusties, oh. you know, which is the topic of this. But, you know, settling for a dusty is like, uh, okay, well, I'm getting love, but I'm not really smart enough to know that this relationship's going to be frustrating because it's not going to provide, you know, I might be getting some attention from this man, he might be cute, you know, maybe he's physically appealing at some level, but they don't project far enough into the future to know that it's going to come with a whole bunch of other frustrations down the road. I love how you read people's behavior. I'd love for you to tell the listeners your background on how you read people and the psychological behaviors that develop when they're young. Well, I, I you know, I came from a really um, challenging family background. My family uh, did not have a lot of money. We were uh, in a divorce situation when I was 12 years old. You know, money was always an issue around, you know, whether or not you know, my father was going to make the child support payments. Would we have enough money if something bad happened to the house? How was college going to be paid for? You know, all those kinds of things. And ultimately, I ended up more or less doing it myself. I mean, I, with very minor exceptions, I paid for the vast majority of my, of my college expenses, probably 95%. And I realized at a young age that if I didn't solve problem around money, then I would be living with it for the rest of my lives like my parents were at, at that time. And so, you know, it became, a, it became a mission of mine to fix that from a young age. But in going through that process, it also became apparent to me that if I was going to be successful, I was going to have to solve my own personal psychology. You know, the remnants of the stuff that I inherited as a young person from my family of origin. And so, you know, really for the last 20, 25 years, I've been studying, I've been studying human psychology, uh, human motivation, how, you know, some people are successful and why other people get stuck in the mud. I've been studying bad male relationship behavior because I've had to help a number of my female friends extract themselves from bad marriages and bad relationships. And I hate to see people in pain. You know, if there's something I can do to help people with their circumstances, I'll, I'll try. I'll try to be that friend that you can go to and not just be a, a kind ear, but have some useful and constructive advice for, you know, what you might do in your circumstances. And I've helped people in business. I've helped people in bad relationships. You know, and so I've, I've just had to learn. I had, I had to learn what was wrong with me. I had to learn like why my family didn't function correctly. In studying all that stuff, I just learned a lot about human nature and about relationships and about good and bad relationships. So, I mean, that's where it all comes from for me. And, and how, I mean, how I analyze people, I mean, I, I basically, I look at people's behaviors. You know, if you watch carefully what people do, you know, they're either in, in a synchronous pattern where their actions and their words align. They'll start doing things that aren't in alignment. And you can, that's where you can start to pick out the red flags. And I love when you tell me that those form between certain ages of our lives. Yeah, I, I look at most human beings are like human psychology is a it's it's developed from really age zero on, and it's software that gets written into our brains 
you know, you didn't write the software. Your brain does it automatic and it does it as in, in reaction to the circumstances you're in. So if you put a child, a two-year-old, a one-year-old, a one-month-old into highly stressful circumstances, then it changes their brain. You know, and all these experiences that happen to young, young children all the way up through adolescence and young adulthood is that every one of these experiences is rewriting that software. And it dictates how you react to certain situations, what psychological buttons other people can push to make you react. Did you how change? How you view the, how, like the kinds of rules that you have, the kinds of um, decisions that you make. And people, the problem is, is people just aren't, they, they, it really takes quite a bit of introspection and therapy to figure out what your software is. And, and to begin to think about changing it. And you, um, you would say you changed your software, correct? I changed it. I'm still changing it. I'm st- I, I, I think that is a lifelong quest. I don't view it as ever being complete. How did I mean, you- every once in a while, I'll find I'll be in a situation where I, where I react emotionally or highly irrationally compared to what the input was. And I'll figure out, like, whoa, someone just pushed one of my buttons. And then I figure out what the button is and what the emotions are around it and what I'm feeling. And then I get curious about where that may have come from. And I, and I start putting patterns of thought in place, conscious patterns of thought in place, some of it through meditation, some of it just through, you know, active engagement to begin to replace the old, the old button, the old emotions around that button with new ones. Were you born with the drive to become successful? There was a time in my life where I began to equate, and this this may be rational, it may be irrational. I think part of it makes some sense uh, and part of it doesn't. So the part as a young person that I started to see was that people with money and people in financially favorable circumstances seemed to be living a better life than I was. And that's sort of an outside in perspective because, you know, obviously we don't really know what's going on inside that nice house. But you can certainly imagine that if you're living inside that nice house that you're not worried about who's going to fix the roof or if the furnace breaks or how you're going to pay for college. So, it, you know, probably it was a little bit of an illusion, but the illusion for me was that if you have money, you don't have problems. I think that, and so I started to tilt toward at a very early age, um, how I was going to manifest that in, in my life. I, I didn't want to have money problems. But I think you figure out, and it doesn't take too long, especially after you get some money, that that isn't the solution to your happiness problem. Like money doesn't equal happiness. Money money just takes away problem. It means that you have a like a higher order set of problems. But happiness and fulfillment are are a whole different thing. And I guess I would argue that it's it's hard to be super happy and fulfilled if you're homeless. I suppose it's possible, but if you want to participate in if you want to participate in our culture and our society, you have to have, you know, you have to have some means. Um, and the lack of means, I think, does cause a lot of pain for people. And the old, you know, the old saying was money doesn't solve all my all my problems, but showing up in a limousine certainly makes them feel better. So I think it's it was sort of a two stage process for me with the, the first part focusing on the money and the second part focusing on the happiness and the fulfillment. That's a fantastic story. Here's what I've learned about you today, Mr. International. You're not a Dusty. (laughs) I don't think so. No, I I definitely don't think so. Thank you for your time. And I don't think you're a Dusty Chaser. Oh, hell no. The audience already knows that. The audience knows that I'm searching nursing homes on a regular for the richest man half dead. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Lips at? Lips, if you're out there, 
Give me a call. I'm trying to find you. This is Charlie May on Scarlet. <laughs>